Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I am Mike Cadlick, joined once again by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. Uh, we missed you last night, Barth, as uh, Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit filled in on Patriots postgame. Uh, so I'm here breaking down the disaster class that was Patriots versus Raiders last night. Um, but we need to get your reaction. Patriots obviously lose 30-24. to 24. Um, I don't really need to set it up anymore So because let, let's get just right into what the hell happened, especially on that last play. We need your unfiltered thoughts and rant on what the hell that was. Well, it's the whole game, and it, it, it's why this team now isn't going to make the playoffs, and it's why this team is in such a weird position, and it's why this offseason it, there's going to be so much focus at, at, at high levels of the organization. This is a team that isn't prepared. This is a team that just isn't ready to play NFL football games. And, and you look at various stages throughout the game, whether it be that red zone sequence early in the second quarter, which by the way, to me is the most damning part of that game. You will talk about what happened at the end and that's inexcusable, but the, the, the four plays from the two yard line and four really like seven plays from the two yard line. There's no reason that should play out the way it did in an NFL game to not being able to tell when everybody's lined up for a punt. Players can't line up on offense. They don't have the play in having to burn timeouts, situational football, the third, like this is stuff that, all right, when it, when, when we get to the spring, right. And even the first couple of days of training camp, and you hear us throwing out terms like install period and teaching period, right? Remember Bill Belichick talks about that. He says, it's still the teaching period. The competition period doesn't begin, you know, for a couple of whatever. This is what they're installing. This is what they're teaching. Right. How the, like the, the, the operational element of it, how the play gets in, how the plays are called, what the play calls are, where everybody lines up, like things like that. How to, how to go hurry up, how they want you to handle situational situations. This is day one stuff. This is stuff that they work on in May. In the right. spring, we are now a week away from Christmas. And it's not like it, 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 it's been one or two here or there. Look, no team's perfect. Everybody has mental lapses during the season. But it's week after week after week of this stuff that should have been put in the books months ago. And there's probably a number of reasons for that. I don't think it's just one thing. They've, they're on their fourth offense, really, in the last five or six months. The offensive coaching staff doesn't have a ton of experience on that side of the ball. At least the guys are high up in it. Right. They've had guys come in and out with injuries. So it, it's a number of things, but it's just for a team that that always hang its hat on succeeding in the margins. That that was was some 
just just bad, bad margin football. There's no other it's, way to put it. So we can get into the specifics, but if it's not fixed now, like it would be really easy to sit here and say they got three games left if they win out they're in, right? They could still win out, they could still make the playoffs, which is the case. They still control their own destiny. It'd be real easy to sit here and say that. And pe- people who know this show know me. I'm not somebody who just goes to the negative. I'm trying to find the silver lining in these things. But if they can't get this fixed, and, and there's no reason to think if they haven't gotten it fixed for the last five months, they're going to get it fixed for these next three weeks, they, they're not going to beat these teams. These are three teams that are much better than the Raiders. Right. And if you make these kind of mistakes against them, it's going to end ugly. Well, that's sort of where, you know, we I think we talked about it last episode where at some point it was like, okay, let's just ride this wave out and see what happens. And maybe it'll fix itself and maybe things will just start to become more comfortable with the guys on offense mixed with Matt Patricia. At this point, I'm at the point where, okay, something has to change now because it's yeah. that bad. And I mean, granted, it should have changed before today because they did control their own destiny. This was a winnable game that they still had a chance to win at the end. And because of everything that trickles down from, honestly, this coaching staff and the decisions that Belichick has made with these guys in this room, it basically bubbled over into what happened last night. Um, again, if, if we want to get into the offense, I know we'll touch on Chandler Jones, but, I mean, really, it's there's there is a butterfly effect to what happened last night, right? Because Chandler Jones' play isn't the only story because the offense – they were bad again. Mac Jones goes completes less than 50% of his passes for only 100 Worst game yards. of his career. Worst, Worst game, game of his career. Of his career. And, and I try and defend Mac a lot. I do it on this show. I do it on Twitter. I do it through my writing on CLNS Media. And again, I have a hard time blaming it strictly on him because of the situation around him. But at some point, you also have to kind of be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I, I and he does this. He, you know, he takes the blame for types of thing, different types of things, but he wasn't good. And we talk about that um, that drive on the goal line where uh, they call the timeout, which bad bad management by Bill Belichick in that situation. But then the fourth and one where Max scores on the um, on the QB sneak, that was on him because his guys aren't set. He has to make sure his guys are set. So that's a tough situation there for Mac as well. And again, like you said, just one of the one of the worst games of his career to, to the date. Yeah, this was, and we talked about this last week, that, that I like seeing Mac Jones play with passion, and I stand by that. Right. But you can't let that impact your play on the field. You have to use that passion to help you, not hurt you. And this was the first time I thought it got in his way. And that's the knock for me. I don't blame right. him for being frustrated, and, and most quarterbacks in that situation are set up to fail, are going to fail. But he he let it get to him. This was the first time I really thought he let it get to him, but... I, I, I do want to go through that sequence, Mike. And actually, before we go through the sequence, let me ask you this, because it's something me and Evan used to argue about. And this is one of the big picture things that we're actually on very different sides of. And I think this game is a perfect case for my argument. I do not believe any football game ever in the history of the sport, college, pro, high school, whatever. No football game has ever been definitively won or lost on one play. Correct. I truly believe that. So you're with me on this. Yeah, I am. This game was a perfect example of that. And you can look at the, the last play of the game all you want. Terrible play. Mm-hmm. You can look at the Keelan Cole call all you want. Terrible call. Awful, Awful. call. And we'll get and to that. And the fact that there are still people on Twitter saying that he was inbounds is absolutely insane. Yeah, but- those are the people Elon Musk needs to kick off. Seriously. Yeah. That should <laughs> be against the rules. Right. But neither of those, situ- as bad as those were, right. 
And as much as the Patriots could under the, the number one way to prevent those situations, to not have it be in the referee's hands or not have it come down to some BS lateral is to not let it get to that point in the first place. And the number one point I look at in the game where they could have done something to avoid those situations is that sequence at the beginning of the second quarter. And they're, they're driving the ball down and they did a really good drive moving down the field. Yep. First and goal from the two, run it to Ramondre for one yard. Fine. Great. That's what they should be doing. Second and one, incomplete pass. Mac Jones sails Johnu Smith and he kind of gives up on his route. Then they have to burn a Not timeout. a great throw either, though. Not a great throw right. either. Well, no, Max sailed the pass, but I, I thought right. John who could have been a little more competitive. They both you. screwed up. Yeah, correct. Then you call a timeout with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. Second and one from, from the one. Second and goal from the one. Look. The full play clock. Inexcusable, in my opinion. It's if you have to, well, here's the thing. If you have to call a timeout to get it right, like if they punch it in, whatever. Okay, you use the timeout, okay, you made it count. Right, but they call a timeout. They then run... A t- they get a touchdown, or sorry, that sorry, I have this all mixed no, up. No, you're good. They throw Slow the it down. We're all right. <laughs> <laughs> they throw the incomplete pass to Janu. Then Mac makes a good throw to Jacoby Myers. Great catch in the back corner of the end zone. But the coaching staff calls a timeout, and Bill says it wasn't lined up right. Well, clearly it was. It looked lined up to clearly, me, and they scored a freaking touchdown. Right. What that tells me is there is disconnect between Bill Belichick and the offensive brain trust that yep. they both. What Bill thinks it should look like and what Matt Patricia and Joe Judge think it should look like is two different things. And again, that that's something you sort out in the spring. That's not something you're sorting out on December 18th. Shouldn't be. So then they burn the timeout. They're, they've burned that timeout. And again, fine. You come back and you score. Instead, they run this really weird play where they go to Nelson Aguilar on a quick slant, which in itself, fine. But they motioned, was it Pierre Strong? I don't remember yeah, exactly so. who it was. I think was this it? was when they were using 21 and they were using him as that wide receiver. Right, which yeah. I don't hate as a concept. Me either. But if you're running a quick slant, you don't motion somebody and run somebody right underneath that because it right. totally flows, throws off the timing and rhythm of the play. That is a snap, get the ball, and throw. And now you've got essentially your own guy in coverage taking away that passing lane. So I don't know if if Strong maybe didn't know the play and ran the wrong way or if it was just a poor design, but that's a wasted play. You burned yep. that right on third and one. Then they have to call another timeout. So now there's two on this sequence. Just ridiculous. Fourth, Max all riled up. And on one hand, I get it. It's frustrated. But you got to settle down. As I do here, you're seeing me get worked up now. Like I'm, I'm being a bit of a hypocrite. <laughs> He gets all worked up. He snaps the ball too early. Jonu Smith's not set. And they back it up and they kick the field goal. That's a four-point swing. They have those yep. four extra points. That Keelan Cole touchdown really doesn't mean much. I guess the Raiders can go and get a field goal, but you're not lobbing a ball around at the end of the game. You're kneeling it out. Yep. That sequence, more than anything else, cost the Patriots that game. Because they had a chance to take control of that game, take command early, Yep. And by the way, they showed this stat on TV, and this is when I knew the Patriots weren't going to score. I think they showed after Stevenson got from the two to the one on that first play. On their previous 14 drives, where the other team had first and goal from inside the five, the Raiders had allowed a touchdown. Not points, not Bang. touchdown if you go touchdown. 14 in a row in that situation. 
But the Patriots, who've run the third fewest plays from inside the five of any team in the league, looked out of sorts down there. They did not look ready for that situation. I'm the guy who's been sitting here saying they're using Ramondre Stevenson too much. I'm the guy who's been sitting here saying that they're overusing him. Second and one, third and one, use him. Right. Use him. He's a bully ball back. Use him. The fact that they threw the ball, they went to shotgun, and I don't know what Bill's talking about with they had to go shotgun because Hunter Henry was out of the game. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me unless they felt they needed. The only thing I could think of is they're going to line Hunter Henry up at fullback. But have a tackle do it then. Have they ever done that? I mean, not necessarily out of a run set. They're doing it in this passing right. stuff. Saying, but. You have you have nobody else who can right. step into whatever role Hunter – like you, you don't have a tackle eligible or somebody. There's no excuse not to run the ball there. None. And there's no excuse for it to look that discombobulated. That I, I, I know I've said it a couple times. I'm going to keep saying it. The, the Keelan Cole touchdown, unfortunate. Right. The, the the play at the end of the game, that's an absolute mess and inexcusable. But neither of those things happen if they gain one yard on the four and really seven tries they had with all those timeouts. They just had to pick up one or two yards and they couldn't. I'm with you. It. It's crazy. That's like, where the game was lost. They have no control over anything that goes on on offense. Zero. They look completely lost out there, drive in and drive out. If there's an anomaly and, you know, they they do what they did on the goal line last night in a vacuum and it happens at some point in a normal NFL season, that shit happens. You know, you, you get frazzled, things come up, uh, someone, a guy subs in wrong, there's something gets smudged on your play sheet and you need to burn a timeout and figure shit out, right? That, that happens. Sure. But it's happened now for 15 weeks, Alex. This is and stuff it happened in, on four plays in a row. Correct. Exactly. It's it's completely inexcusable. And it's the stuff that we've talked about for 20 years in New England about these Patriots teams who they might not always have the best players. And there are certainly seasons where they did have the best players and they ran the table and won the championship, what have you. But it's it's this was has always been their bread and butter. They're going to play smart. They're going to be smarter than you. They're not going to be highly penalized. Um, and they're just going to play fundamentally sound football in all three phrases of the game and burn you that way. And this is just, it's a disaster. They're not doing that at all anymore. And yesterday was, I mean, again, I feel like every single week now we're like, this was the tipping point. This is where it has to end. And we're, it's, again, I'll tell you this, man. It happened again last night. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports and the World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. For the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. If they top this, 
I don't know. <laughs> I, what I, do you do though? I mean, this has like, to be it. Right. It's this has disaster. to be as ugly as it's going to get. And right. maybe the silver lining in that is this is unless something I don't I, like, I really don't think it can get worse, especially because the uh, teams they're playing, the three teams they're playing are really good. Right. So like if right. they get their doors blown off, like, all right, fine. You got beat by a better team and almost something incredibly good would have to happen. Like they would have to run the table and win a playoff right. game. Because otherwise, this is the defining moment of the 2022 Patriots. When they we talk about the season, play. it's going to be this. It's going to be, this, well, this game. Right. And, right. you know, I, I was on with Greg Bedard last night on 98.5 The Sports Hub after the game. We kind of talked about it. How's that sitting down at one Patriots place? This is your, this, I know. this is the game that defines the season. This is how your franchise is viewed right now. That absolute dumpster fire. Is and, and look, some people this year, I get a lot on Twitter. Oh, the Patriots are a laughing stock, and I I thought that that was strong, right? They're not a real laughing stock. They're they're still competing for the for the playoff spot, and right. they've got young pieces in place. And yeah, the offense is goofy, but like to me, a laughing stock is is the the Denver Broncos, right? Where we're trying to see if their quarterback's going to throw more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his house. That's a right. laughing stock, or the or the Urban Meyer Jaguars. Or the, right, like that's exactly. a laughing stock. Right. This is the first time I've, I've really felt like, I I think people were down on the Patriots. I think people thought the Patriots weren't very good. Like I'm talking national, big picture. I think that there were people who believed that, and maybe some to a justified degree, some maybe not. This is the first time I feel like people looking at the Patriots and laughing. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. Maybe the Bears game. Maybe, but that. I, this is this is a whole nother level. Like I just can't imagine this is sitting well down there. Well, the Bears game too. They um, was back and forth with Zappy, and they were they weren't competing like completing for first downs, right? But I mean, they weren't calling timeouts twice on a drive on the goal line in the middle of the, or at the beginning of the second quarter, and they weren't allowing Chandler Jones to you know run over Mac Jones and laddering the ball for no reason when it's a, like when it's a tie game, like. Right. That there's a difference between, you know, getting blown up by a bad team on primetime and the complete mental instability of what they showed last night. So, yeah. uh, not awful on offense. Um two, I guess, bright spots uh on the offense. Well, hang on. Before we do that, I I, I got to yeah. get in a couple more things. I'm sorry. No, no, go for it. Hit it. I'm just I was trying. Yeah, go. The ball down the sideline. Nelson Aguilar needs to get his foot down. It, it's that simple. Okay. There there was ve- he had a ton of room to drag his toe. And he there's you go back and watch it. There's very little effort to get his foot down. He looks like a yep, college correct. receiver, right? Yeah. That again is situation. It's a great football. throw. It's a great throw. That's probably Max best throw of the night. Yes. But that is one it's situational football. It's something they work on a ton in the spring and summer and throughout the season. It's not like he was right there and there wasn't a ton of room. I mean, his foot swings two, three feet, and he never brings it down. Right. You can't have like you can't have that. You've got to make an effort on that play to get in bounds. I'm surprised they even that 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 they even called it complete. I didn't think it was that close live. No, I know. And then of course the refs screwed them when they tried racing up to the line to snap it and they held up the play for a substitution that never happened. Yeah, that was nonsense. The one other thing I want to add, because I see people talking about it in the chat. 
Bill Belichick's comments about Mac not being able to throw the ball far enough to run a Hail Mary. Two things on that. First off, let, let, let's assume he's talking about Max Armstrength. I think that there's a chance where he isn't, but I'm just stick with me here. Let's assume he's talking about his arm strength. That's not true. It's on film. Go watch his college highlights. There's some plays from last year. We've seen it in practices, Mike. He can throw the ball 60 yards. Yep. He can do it. I don't know that he's getting into a 10-step drop and throwing it to the back of the end zone. Right. But he can get five yards back and throw the ball to the front of the end zone. He can do that. Now, maybe Bill meant he didn't think they could get it blocked. Like, we, because he says we can't, he doesn't say Mac. He says we couldn't throw it that far. Right. Maybe Bill doesn't think that they, they can get it blocked in time for the receivers to get down there. Well, the offensive line actually played well. There's your silver lining. And, you know, the Raiders are probably just blitzing three. You should be able to block that maybe four. If they bring more, you turn it into a scramble drill play, which is what they end up doing, but you're much further down the field. And maybe somebody has time to catch Chandler Jones when it goes ass up. Right. I just, I was really surprised Bill said that because he has to know how that's going to be perceived. And I know. For him to answer all those other questions with, we made a mistake on the play, we made a mistake on the play, and him to have, we need a coach better, play better, right, in the back pocket. To go to that, that felt like a shot at his quarterback. And we've had the quarterback take take some shots at the coaching staff the last few weeks, yeah. and now this. Th- this is, again, where you go to, this isn't a team that's not talented or just, you know, not good. This is a team that is dysfunctional. That is what that comment right. said to me was dysfunction. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, like you said, you know, we've seen it at practice, and Max said it today on on the radio. He said that he can throw more than 55 yards. Yeah. So again, whether it's a shot or not, I mean, again, you've taught me the lesson on this show day by day. Listen to what Bill Belichick says because he's telling you what he's thinking. Again, maybe that's just. I mean, he ended up what they were on what the 45 or the 50. Yeah, 45. 55. So he would he wouldn't need to throw the ball like sixty yards, basically. Yeah, which I mean, I can see where his head's at to think that, but at the same time, what he said the word mistake like ten times during his press conference, and he wouldn't even answer questions. It was just we made a mistake, we made a mistake. Like you said, he wasn't giving into anything, and for that to be the one thing he sort of gave into, I, I agree, it's interesting, but. They also should have just not even ran the play to begin with. Like they're, they're running a draw play for a reason, and that's to hopefully give yourself a chance on something. And if it doesn't happen, go down and play for overtime. And so, not that I'll, I'll just say that I actually am okay that they didn't kneel the ball down. And I'll tell you why. Me too. I, I'm, I agree. The Raiders, first of all, they're choke artists. I don't know that we can right. say that after this a little hypocritical after what happened last night, but they're, you know, four blown leads at 13 plus points. They also just don't tackle well defensively. They're not a disciplined defense. Right. My guess is in their mind, Hey, they're going to give us some cushion. Ramondre is going to get at least 10 yards downfield, which he did. Mm-hmm. Then all it takes is a face mask or, a, you know, a late hit or anything, something. Yeah. And remember the game cannot end on a defensive penalty. So Ramondre runs for 10 yards. He's dragged down by the face mask. That's another 15. You're kicking a field goal to win the game. So I don't hate the idea of a drop. Personally, I think the most underused play in all of sports is the fake knee. But I'm not going to get fake here. But I I, I don't mind that they didn't just sit on it. I don't hate that they ran the ball. 
It's what happened next that's the issue. Yeah, of course. Um, the fake knee, too, the, the tough part is if you have to make the refs aware that you're doing it because they can blow it dead before your knee actually touches and then it screws the whole thing over. And whether your knee actually touches or not. Did that happen to you? The way you're saying no, it. No, it didn't happen, it didn't happen okay. to me, but I've seen it happen before where yeah. it's like we got to – I don't know if you, whether you tell the refs or you just make it obvious that you're not taking the knee. But, again, the refs will blow the, the whistle to protect you, and so it, so it's tough to – normally what happens in that case, at least how I've experienced it, mm-hmm. is before the game each coach meets with the ref like separately, right? These are two separate meetings and kind of lets the ref know if they have any plays in the – like that they might call – that are something where the refs need to be aware of. So the, the, the way I learned this was that one where was it the I think it was the Rams like years ago where they had a guy on one side of the field, kind of look like he was going to call fair catch, but there's a guy on the other side of the field yep. actually fielding the punt. Right. Like I remember there's a story that like the special teams coach told the ref before the game, Hey, don't blow it dead. If you see us in this look, like we're do, mm-hmm. we're running a game here. Now this is the 2022 Patriots. Right. Maybe they would have forgotten to tell the ref. Who knows? Right, exactly. There is generally a way you can inform ahead of time. Right. If uh, if if you're you have something like that in your bag. Right. But yeah, again, a disaster at the last play of the game. Um I did like uh how Jacoby reacted to it. Um in just saying that, you know, he took the blame. He was trying to do too much. He was trying to be a hero. Um I didn't expect him to shy away from it. I mean, he's been a stand up guy all season and He's been he's been great to us in the media, and he's he's a leader on this team. So it's tough to see that happen to him because he has been one of the constants on this team. He has been someone who, regardless of sort of the adversary adversity they've had to fight through this year, he's always you know the first guy to speak up on it. Um, he's going to defend his teammates through and through. And uh, again, he took the blame, and it's it's funny too. Just as far as taking the blame, I, it's I thought it was kind of hilarious, and I don't know if Mac would do this as far as to continue to take shots in the media, but I wonder if it's a thing when he's taking the blame for not tackling Chandler Jones. I can't tell, and I can't read if that's him being like, "Look, I just need to be a leader and just take the blame anyway," or if that's like a the team and Belichick always tells the quarterback to take the blame regardless, and I am just gonna you know, nail this into the ground every time I get the opportunity and kind of make them look foolish here too. Um, but Mac takes the blame as well. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Jacoby and Ramondre, they obviously both really stepped up there. I, I feel for Jacoby, man. He's the one guy yeah, that's too. been above this whole circus this whole time. Like as much yeah. as this team has roller coastered, him and Ramondre have really been the two guys that have been steady and look, they, neither of them were supposed to play in this game. They didn't practice all week. They come right. back. They made huge plays on what should have been the game-winning touchdown drive. Jacoby up the seam for, I think it was like 36 yards, and Ramondre had a 30-yard touchdown run. Yep. Like, they should have been the heroes of that game. And, like, Jacoby, he's been such a consummate professional since he got here. Yeah, yeah. A guy that's answered every question. And it, it has not been easy on him for a number of reasons. And for him to be as accountable as he's been, it sucks. Because this probably, I mean, this is, He's a free agent. He doesn't project as a guy the Patriots are going to sign. Nope. This is probably what his Patriots legacy is going to be. And that's really unfortunate because yeah, he's a good player and just a great guy. A guy who gets it. Yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody that he's kind of, he's almost going to be like the Leon Lett of this era. 
where Leon Lett was a great player. People don't realize that. Leon Lett was a really good player. But nobody talks about that when they talk about Leon Lett. Right. Right. They talk about those two plays, the one in the Super Bowl and the one on Thanksgiving in the snow. You really think this is going to be that detrimental to his legacy? This is, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I always go off the 24-hour rule and things like this. And even now, as bad as that was, I don't, like, I don't know. I I think Jacoby's so much more than that. I I think he is too, and I hope he is. But this is an all-time, all-time screw-up ending. I mean, this this is the one that every other one will be compared to. Every time a team is in position to do a late game lateral play, this is the clip that will be shown on the broadcast. I mean, this is I know. It's it's at a historic level. So I I, I feel for him and, and credit to him to to standing up there and taking all the questions and like and all of that. Look, right. not not what it's not to excuse it. There's zero reason for him to throw that pass. Right. None. No. And he knows it. Right. It was going to play just, and he gets he gets it. And that's the that's the hard part right. too. Like he knows. Yeah. And it, the real concern here to me is so they called a draw, called a straight draw, get what you can, right? Why did Ramondre Stevenson lateral and why did Jacoby Myers lateral? Because they didn't trust the coaching staff in overtime because they wanted to end the game right then and there. And all right, so. When you actually do design those lateral plays, for, there's a reason you don't do that when it's tied. You do that when we see that play all the time when a team's losing, right? And how often does it turn into a touchdown the other way? And it always throws off the spread or the over under right. or something, right? And but the team that's running it is losing, so it doesn't matter, right? This is exactly why you never see that play when a team is tied. And when you run that call, and and there's really two kinds of lateral plays. Get what you can get. There's like a hook and ladder. It's like by design, and it's not the backyard BS play from from longest yard, right? That's one thing. What that play is designed to do, the, the second one, is not let the game end. Once this clock runs out, unless we have scored, we have lost. It does not matter what happens. That is when you're supposed to run that call. And the problem is when you design that play, most of the time what teams do is they leave, they'll, they'll run it to one side, right? They focus all the action up one sideline. And the idea is you're going to suck the defense in. You leave one guy back on the other side. And at some point, once you have the defense sucked in enough, you're going to throw the ball back across the field. And hopefully that other guy's in a one-on-one. He can make one guy miss and score. That's how you draw it up. Doesn't always work. That's how right. you draw it up. What happened on that play and the, real, the reason it went so ass up, First off, that guy on the backside, almost always a receiver running back, maybe a tight end. I think the Niners have George Kittle do it. The only time I've ever seen it run with a quarterback. Is that your mic glitching right now? I don't know if you can hear that. Hi, I hear you. Yeah, I'm just kidding. It's a little staticky. Oh, I think I – okay. Okay. Um, The only time I've ever seen that run with a quarterback was – it was actually Jalen Hurts in college at Alabama. Like that kind of guy, right? You're not Mac Jones. The other thing is that guy is supposed to be all the way on the other side of the field. So if he doesn't get the ball cleanly, there's time to recover because there's not a ton of defenders around. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Instead, they threw it back to Mac Jones who was in the middle of the field, not on the other side. Right. So I don't think it was designed to be a lateral. I think they freelanced it. No, it wasn't. But that to me is an indictment on the coaching staff. It definitely wasn't a, um, it wasn't designed that way. And I see the chat too. My bad guys. I'm sorry about that. I kind of screwed everyone's ears up by that. I, I put something on my microphone, so I apologize. But um, anyway, and the, the other thing, as far as throwing it back to Mac right there, um, if you look at the all 22, it might have been kind of tough for Jacoby to even see Chandler Jones because he fell, was on the Raiders logo, the Raiders black logo in a black jersey, yeah. and then stood up. And by the time he stands up, Jacoby, pro- he definitely just thought Mac was there all alone and said, let's try something. But inexcusable because you're tied. It's not It's not do or die. You have a chance, and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, it's tough. It's it's too bad. And yeah. It, was, it the- was a disaster. And Go ahead. The other thing we're not going to do, I'm just not going to let people do this right now. There's plenty of quarterback-related reasons to knock Mac Jones in this game. We are not going to put them losing the game on Mac Jones failing to tackle Chandler Jones. Oh, no. No, 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 If you get, like, could he have made the tackle? Yeah, I guess. If you get to the point where your 6'3", 217-pound quarterback has to tackle a 6'6", 260-pound defensive end, who happens to be one of the biggest athletic freaks in the league. Right. You've lost. You've lost. The game should not come down to that. If you're letting the game come down to that, you deserve to lose. So yeah, sure. Mac Jones could have tried to tackle him. Mac Jones isn't a tackler. He's not somebody who works at tackling. I don't think that, you know, I think he actually gave it the best effort he probably had. It didn't. Look That's good. what I was I'm just not, gonna say. He didn't. I'm not run exactly away. sure what you want. What you want him to square up like technique, and it, he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. He's yeah, not like he's a big shot. like. It's one thing if it's Ben Roethlisberger, like as big as Chandler Jones. There's all right. I have a good plenty, question. There's plenty to the pick chat. on with Mac Jones in this game. How many quarterbacks in the league make that tackle? Not many. Not. The only one that would have is Andrew Luck, and he's now retired. Well, I mean, Ben, if we're going to go, like, Ben has. Yeah, I guess. But, like, I mean, I'm going, like, just think of, like, the big, like, moose-type quarterbacks, right? Like, um, who's just, like, a big dude. Like, the one I think of, Cam Newton is a guy who maybe makes that tackle. Well, just people will point out the fumble in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. Like, in theory, yeah, Josh Allen in the chat. Josh Allen can probably make that tackle. Honestly, Jacoby Brissett is a big guy. Um, There's not many. Not yeah. you count them on one hand. That's not again. Yeah, he could have made the tackle. Sure, right. fine. Does Zappy make the tackle? If, no. 
No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I saw no, that on Twitter. People Someone were saying like, that. Like, it's ridiculous. Hold, calm down, you idiot. That means trends on Twitter every Patriots game, and it makes yeah. me want to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, they, they lose on the lateral return. Um, Justin Herbert doesn't make the tackle either. Um, but, no. you know, going off of uh, just, you know, I guess the good and the guys, Jacoby and Ramondre and how they've been this year. Ramondre was really good yesterday outside that lateral. He rushed for 172 yards. He rushed for nine yards of carry. He rushed for what could have been the game-winning touchdown. And he has more time to make up for his legacy, obviously. And his gaffe is not nearly as bad as Jacoby's. But it is too bad that the game that he had yesterday got overshadowed by that play at the end. Yeah, I had to start the whole game. He looked good. He looked healthy. I thought it was a good mix with him and the rookies. I think he had like a 66% usage rate. Yep. Solid, you know, that's a, a solid number for him. But it doesn't matter, right? Right. <laughs> the way this goes, when you're this late in the year and you're chasing wins for the playoffs, doesn't matter. Yeah, tough. Um, but so, yeah, that's, I don't know, that's the offense. Do you have anything else? On the, I do have one more thing on the offense uh, before we switch over to the D. Just... Well, two things, actually. I thought there was one play that I saw from Tyquan Thornton that um, I really liked because, and I talked about this last night on Patriots postgame, how the Patriots have sort of, at least an example is Nikhil Harry, where they're strictly, they draft the skill set and they don't necessarily draft the smart receiver, right? And not not that Nikhil right. Harry is necessarily stupid, and I'm not going to go down that route, but you draft the athletic freak and you don't think about, you know, how they play the game. There was one route from Tyquan yesterday. He ran a deep dig. And I thought it was, you know, a perfect mix of, holy crap, this guy's super fast. And he knows how to read a defense because he ran the deep dig and he breaks off his route. And, you know, a receiver that's not as smart is and is just fast is just going to sprint across the formation and just continue to run no matter what. But he throttled down and he read the zone perfectly and he let Mac hit him uh, as he throttled. And Mac knew it and Taekwon knew it. And that's something that you never really saw from Nikhil Harry here. It's something that. Um, you know, as good as the receivers are here, it's like, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good to see from Tyquan Thornton out of that play. He, he was targeted a little bit more yesterday and it's kind of too bad that it's because other receivers were down and hurt like Devante. And, you know, I know they, Jacoby played, but trying to keep him out of it a little bit, but, um, I, I thought that was good stuff from Tyquan Thornton and they need to get, continue to get him more involved. Yeah, I guess my silver lining is the offensive line looked good. Yeah. You know, Trent Brown, now that he's healthy, he's over that flu. I thought he held up well. Connor uh, McDermott actually played pretty well. Yeah. Still need tackles in the offseason. Like, it, it's just so tough because if they win that game, hey, the tackles played well. Like, here we go. And 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 the Bengals are going to be on a backup pass rusher next week. And, like, right. maybe it's just the immediacy of it. But it's like, great. Tackles yeah. played well. Season's over. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, before we talk defense, Alex, I want to talk about our friends at Rocket Money. Uh, do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? You probably don't, as 80% of people who have subscriptions that they completely forget about. Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to 200 or more. It could be an unused Amazon Prime account, a Hulu account, whatever that doesn't get streamed. Uh, but they're both draining that bank account of yours, and you could be wasting hundreds of dollars a month on subscriptions you don't even know about. Not me, though, because I use Rocket Money, which is formerly known as Truebill. The app shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels whatever you still don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of, get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. 
Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Cancel your subscription, your unnecessary subscriptions now at rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Again, it's on the uh, lower third there. You can see our screen if you're watching on YouTube, rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Save hundreds of, hundreds of dollars to cancel those unnecessary subscriptions. All right, Alex, back to the Patriots' disaster of a game yesterday. Uh, the defense actually played relatively well. Rel- relatively well. I thought the pass rush uh, continued to get after Derek Carr basically until that last drive where they were essentially in prevent defense. Um, Josh Uche gets another sack, continues to be a monster. Marcus Jones, Kyle Duggar. The Kyle Duggar play was unbelievable. Um, the one thing I'll say um, about Marcus Jones and tying it into uh, sort of that where they were from a pass defense and tying it into that last drive. I mean, they held Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league, to four receptions on nine targets for just 28 yards. A lot of that had to do with Marcus Jones. He played really well on Devontae Adams yesterday. Yeah, this was the second week in a row, too, because remember, he was mostly on DeAndre Hopkins last week after Jack Jones got hurt early in that game. So Marcus Jones might be the bright spot in this game. At a certain point, they're going to need to add bigger corners. And you saw it late in that right. game. You know, 6'1", six, uh, six Keelan Cole beats him. 6'4", Matt Collins beats him. I'm surprised. The Patriots didn't – the only corner the Patriots had active yesterday over 5'10", was Sean Wade. He didn't really play. Yeah. I'm a little surprised the Raiders didn't go for those tight matchups and throw some of those jump balls as early as they did. Once they started doing that, it obviously started working, but – Marcus Jones holding his own on the boundary. I still think he's a slot corner long-term because teams are going to start testing him more on those jump balls and kind of testing his height, but the guy can cover. I'm also, the thing I'm, the thing I'm worried about now is just the workload because the you know, he only game, played two offensive snaps, but he also played every special team snap and every defensive snap, okay, which yeah. I know a lot of guys do anyway, but he, he played like 88 snaps yesterday. And I mean, he played well up until that last drive, and then he got kind of toasted a few times. So he's he's going to burn out at some point. And I know he's a rookie, and I know he should have fresh legs. But, again, it kind of showed last night where, I mean, yeah, he was Keelan Cole out of bounds, yes, but he was still beat on the play, and he still was able to come down with the catch. So it's not a Mar- that's not a Marcus Jones thing. That's more of a we need to be able to get other guys at the ball on offense and maybe bring this guy's work down, workload down right. a little bit. But, um. Kyle Duggar's pick six, I thought was, it was a turning point in the game, and it was uh, just goes to show how good of a guy he really is and how much he prepares. Um, I tweeted it that maybe they weren't prepping offense all week. They were strictly just prepping Derek Carr <laughs> and reading him like a book and making sure that they could make a play like that. But uh, no, I mean, Duggar read the read exactly the, the formation they were in. As soon as Carr grabbed the ball and you know went to throw it out there, Dogger knew exactly what was coming and he made the most of it. I thought that was a great play. Yeah. And that's one of those ones that happens during the week, right? He saw something on film and, and in studying that he knew they're going to that play in that situation. And he gets the thumbs up from the coaching staff to kind of go hard after that look. And because last thing you want is him to pump that screen and throw over the top and he vacates the area. Right. So shows the, the coaching staff's level of trust in him. Yeah. That was just an all around uh, physical, mental, all of it. Uh, tremendous play. Yeah. Um, what do you take from the pass rush? I mentioned it a little bit, but uh, what do you think about how they got after Carr? Yeah, they were great. I mean, they were constantly forcing him out of the pocket. He was quick to throw the ball away, so that, that stunted a lot of drives. I thought Christian Barmer looked really good in his return, came up with half a sack. Obviously, Josh Uche had another big game, although went back and watched it. 
I don't know why he wasn't on the field on that last play on the touchdown of Keelan Cole, which is annoying. Yeah. But I, you know, pass rush was great. And if they're, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now, if they're going to win these last three games, it's the unit that's going to have to do it. It's the best unit on the team right now. I don't think there's another one that's close. You know, I, they, they, they had a great performance and it wasn't enough to overcome. Or, 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 or it wasn't enough to, yeah, to overcome the, the rest of the right. roster. But, hey, you know, they're setting up big for 2023. So I guess there you go. You know, it's funny, Alex. A lot of times on this show, I'm able to, uh, you know, give you a softball and let you, you know, let you go, right? And that happened a lot with the offense tonight because there was such a mess. Defense played well, but I think we're just so down on this team that even when the defense was good, we don't even want to get into it because of the disaster that was. So I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, because you have to look at the big picture at this point. I'm with you. And what the defense did in this game has such little impact on what's going to happen in the offseason. It's, I again, I, I like this show to kind of be as neutral as possible and not right. get too high and not get too low, but just after a game like that, it's it's really it's everything. Not just the way they lost it, but that it probably the big thing is that it probably kicks them out of the playoffs. That that right. their playoff chances pretty much go up in smoke. It's just hard to sit here and say, "Yeah, well, hey, they pressured Derek Carr." You know, when, they, you. when it's when it's early in the year, it's super easy to do that because you're building something, right? And that, so I was talking to Jim Murray about this last night, and that's probably what's more frustrating than anything else. When everybody was talking about the sky is falling back in July, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, I remember Greg had that tweet that went around. It was the worst training camp practice he'd ever seen yeah. from an offense. And they don't end all this. And my pitch was basically, and I stand by this. It's not necessarily going to look perfect day one, especially right. with all these new pieces it's, it's a cumulative sport, right? You're building on what you did. You want to look better in December than you do in July. You want to see that progress. But what kills me is, and I talked about it earlier in the show, there's no real, there's no progress here. They look the exact same now as they did in September and as they did in July. And that that's what gets me is, I think if they had gr- progressed and grown like a normal team progresses and grows, they'd be sitting there in the, I don't know that we're talking about division, but I think they're comfortably sitting in a playoff spot right now. I think we're talking about more about seating than anything else, but they just, they just flatlined. There was no, they never built on anything. Right. They, they, they're making this, the, the, the same things they do well. Now they were doing well in September. The same mistakes they were making in September, they're making now. It just it doesn't feel like there's a lot of evolution. Like, and yeah, kinda, some, of, some of the philosophies changed. Like, they were obviously throwing the ball down the field a lot early in the season. They're not doing it now. Um, you know, they're playing more zone now than they were. But it's the, again, the the, the alignment issues, the pre-snap issues, the penalties, all of it. It just, it, it's the same as it's been. And I have a hard time. And, you know, it's crazy, and you, you think about Fire Belichick, and it's 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 a lot, and it's steep because he is— Yeah, I wouldn't go there. But, like, I, I do kind of get frustrated on just giving him credit for Super Bowls he won in the past in the sense of that's the reason why you should keep him now. Do I think the game has completely passed him by? No. 
And do I think that you're going to fire Bill Belichick and you're going to bring in an A-plus coach and an A-tier coach and be able to just kick this thing off and Dynasty 5.0 at this point? No. But something does have to give. Like, you can't just keep ramming your head against the wall and expecting things to change. And that's what they've done this year, and that's annoying, and that's that's not what you've seen from Belichick before. You remember in 2019, I think it was, when the offense wasn't great, and so they basically got together, they got McDaniels and Brady and Bill, and they said, we're going to change this thing up, and we're going to pound the rock, we're going to use Sony Michelle with fresh legs as a rookie, we're going to build off that, we're going to run very dumbed down concepts all the way into the Super Bowl when they ran the same play five times in a row and rammed it in the end zone for a touchdown to win the Super Bowl. Like they adjusted and they realized when things weren't working, we're going to change this. The Patriots haven't done this, done, done that this year. Bill Belichick hasn't done that this year. And I don't know if it's to save Matt Patricia's face because he's a friend of his. I don't know if it's because he doesn't want to admit he's wrong when Tom Brady's not around. But again, I'm not saying... Kraft should walk into Belichick's office tonight and say, you got to get out of here. But something has to, he has to go in there and say something has to change or else we need to make a change from the top. Yeah. I, I think it's probably, again, I don't think Bill's job's necessarily in jeopardy directly, but I think that there's a situation where Kraft comes in and says, we, we made this massive investment in the offense. We spent these millions of dollars on, Hunter Henry and John U. Smith and Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. And we used a first round pick on Mac Jones, right? We need th- those investments need to be in better hands. They need to be in the hands of somebody who's been in that spot before developing, w- working on offense first and foremost, but especially if they can get somebody who's worked with young quarterbacks and developed young quarterbacks. That means an offensive right. coordinator and a quarterback's coach, two separate, like they need both. Right. right. And I, I think that's where it begins, right? I, again, Jim Murray, I was on with last night and I thought he made a good point that the word of the off season is going to be reorganization. That's how they'll spin it. Right. Yep. You can't, you can't run it back. You can't, can't. run it back. And that's what it becomes a fireable offense. Right. The defenses look good. We'll see what I, Gerard Mayo should get a head coaching job. Then again, he should have gotten a head coaching job the last two years. So right. maybe they luck out. I don't want to say luck out because it's unfortunate for Gerard, but you know what I mean? Maybe 31 other teams make the same mistake again. But I Better think way to put it. I I people say, how can you give Bill so much rope? Look at this. This is exactly how much rope winning six Super Bowls and being the most dominant coach in the history of the game buys you. Right. right. Is to this point. Exactly. If he's not willing to change it, that to me is the last straw. But I I think he's earned the right, and I'm not saying he's earned the right this year. He's earned the right Correct. over the last, I mean. 30 years he's earned the right to plug in a guy who actually knows offense like he should have done last year and see what that looks like because the reality is if it's really not going to work you need to hit the reset button after 2023 anyway because you need to go back into that quarterback carousel you might as well do the coach at the same time right you want to tie the coach right. and quarterback together so yeah. I just I I don't think Bill's cooked just yet, but if if their offensive coaching staff looks the same way it does at this time, you know, when we get to to May, or forget May, when we get to March, if right. it looks the same way, that that's a really rough look. Right. And that's the thing that I mean, that's gonna change it all. And it's tough again, like you said, if it happens in March, what do you do? Because at that point the coaching carousel's over. I, well, I'll just way. so so let me say this. Sorry, let me just say this. 
I, I'll remind everybody it could happen and we won't know. So, and, and Mike, we've right. talked about this before, right? There's a world where Matt Patricia doesn't get fired. They just kick him back upstairs and he's the senior advisor of whatever. And right. they hire somebody as an offensive consultant, right? So just because Matt Patricia doesn't get fired doesn't mean that, you know. He didn't get fired. <laughs> right, exactly. So it, it's more about who they hire. He's going to have a job kicking here. him out of the building. I still think they should let him go all the way just because the P the, the PR element, just the visual of him still being employed here in whatever regard, yeah, I think is a rough look and they kind of need to reel the fans back in, but there is, there is a chance that he just gets moved back upstairs and, and right. we don't really know what the structure is until we get to, I forget if it's the first day camp or the last day camp, whenever it is. And they release all the coaching titles. Right. Well, if he does get let go, he should head to LinkedIn. <laughs> there you go. Look for a look for a job. The Patriots there can post go. the op- the Patriots can post the offensive coordinator job using LinkedIn.com slash beat. Because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your, right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media. We can't recommend it enough. We highly recommend the Patriots use it to post that godforsaken uh, offensive coordinator job come the end of this season. It's super easy to post your job. Then add your listing and post hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. As we enter the end of 2022, now's the perfect time to add the right team member to end the year strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I guess we should probably put a bow on this thing, Alex. I know it's going to be tough too, but um, at the end of the day, it's funny because the Patriots are on to Cincinnati. And uh, that's sort of been a... Yep a calling card here in the New England area. But uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happened on the field. A loss is a loss. It's a tough way to do it, but I'm surprised. And I'm. it was nice, I guess, to hear that. And you don't hear this too much, but Bill Belichick seemed to have sort of rallied the guys in the locker room after the game. There was some uh, uh, things came out that he was basically like, you know, stick together. Don't let this rip you apart. And he could have easily went in there and chewed the guys out because – He's Bill Belichick, and he knows all, and it was a really stupid mistake, and plenty of stupid mistakes throughout the game cost him in this one, but he didn't. They're going to rally, so we'll see what happens. Do you think they have any shot at running the table and realistically making the playoffs here, Alex? Because uh, Cincinnati's won six in a row, and they're 10-4. and four. Yeah, they're the hottest team in football. I just, you know, can they steal one of these? Sure, if the pass rush really gets going, and maybe they get some help from the weather. It's two games at home, and then one in Buffalo, and... For all the time we spent last week talking about how the Dolphins don't like to play in the cold, I think we forget the Bills also don't like to play in the cold. Uh, Could they steal one? Sure. Can they get two? Maybe. You know, if the Bills have everything locked up week 18, maybe they just – it's Barkley, right? Maybe they just trot out Matt Barkley and Patriots tee off on him. No, Case Keenum. Case Keenum, no. Case Keenum, same thing. Um, Did you see that – who was it? I think it was Gumble on CBS – kept saying Mitchell Trubisky instead of Sam Darnold. 
and there was an article today that like nobody corrected him and all the replies were just like, what's there to correct? <laughs> um, I didn't see that, but that's hilarious. So, you know, whoever it is, Chase Daniel out there for the Bills. Um, right. Maybe if it's week 18 and it's all sewn, sewn up, maybe the Bills kind of sit that one out. But to run the table against these teams, I nope. I think they have the talent to do it. Like, I'll say that. I think they have the talent to do it. I just don't think that they can put out the, the execution, the performance that's needed to that consistently. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be tough. Um, so that's that. Patriots lose to the Raiders 30-24. to 24. Uh, Let's touch on a quick NFL news. Uh, we'll do some NFL news quickly and then uh, touch on Monday Night Football tonight and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Jalen Hurts, probably the leading candidate to win the NFL MVP yesterday, uh, sprained his shoulder. Looks like he's going to be out for several weeks. It kind of trickled in strangely. I don't know if you were on Twitter this afternoon, but there were some – Basically, random Twitter accounts kept tweeting that, you know, Jalen Hurts uh, broke his collarbone, going to miss the rest of the regular season. And so then rumors started to swirl. Um, some sports books started to change the odds, and it swung really fast to Cowboys being like a four or five point favorite. Uh, so that's when people were like, oh, this might be real. And then finally, Adam Schefter confirmed it that uh, sprained shoulder, Jalen Hurts going to miss at least probably this week. Gardner Minshew is going to be uh, thrust in there. So. 13 and 1, 14 and 1 Eagles now. Uh, 13 lose their 13 and 1 Eagles lose their MVP quarterback. What do you make of it? Can they still uh you know continue to shine on with Gardner Minshew? Well, Shout out Mike Leach, Gardner Minshew. Washington oh yeah, State. that's a good point. Yeah. You know me, I like to use precedent, right? I like to go back and see what's happened in history and can we line it up? So I know exactly what you're going to say. If only there was an example of the Philadelphia Eagles in the second week of December losing their starting MVP candidate quarterback as they're in first place in the NFC. Hey, if there's any good news to this, Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> now this is gone historically. We won't talk about what right. happens after they get it. No, I, I really like Gardner Minshew. I do. I think that offense is tremendously talented. Um, and the NFC kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of sucks. So I, they're not as good. You know, it's a right. step back, but I don't think it necessarily – overly changes their outlook right it's it's them right. the Niners right now we I don't care that they came back the Vikings look like frauds I just I don't buy the Cowboys right I I wasn't alive in 1992 so I don't have that thing ingrained in me right like I just right. see the Cowboys I think chokers honestly the, t- the like sleeper team that scares me in the NFC is Tampa and it's I know just, that they, they played don't because they're so, so bad yeah I'm not, I'm, so I'm, not, bad. I'm not, I'll never bet against Tom Brady. I'll never count but Tom what they're Brady going out. to do. What's going to happen. And it's lining up this way is they're going to win that division at seven and 10. They're going to host exactly. a whole playoff game against Dan Campbell's Detroit lions. Yeah. And then they're going to somehow end up in the NFC championship game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, but, I, I'm saying like, who, I mean, who else really in the NFC, right? After, after, so it's the Eagles one, the Niners two. Dallas, I guess. I know you already mentioned them. They don't really I would put you. them like on that same level as Tampa. Minnesota knows how to win close games. No, that, that team All is of a sudden. Lose. That team's going to lose in the first. They're going to be up 15, 20 points in that first round game and then lose. That kind of hurt that I just had to say that Kirk Cousins wins close games. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, bad. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Not buying yeah. it. So what did you make of, like, uh, I, I wanted to buy Seattle early in the season that felt right. like a really fun team that was doing some crucial things really well, but they've, they've come back down to earth. They, they, they're yeah. back to 
more or less what they should be. What did you make of, uh, I know you mentioned it with the Vikings, but uh, Matt Ryan uh, losing yeah, by 25 t- in a Super Bowl and then three years later, whatever it is, losing, blowing it there. Talk about a guy whose legacy is completely undone by like a single moment, right? He, he The guy won an MVP. Like he's a good quarterback. He's one of the better quarterbacks of his era. But he blew the biggest lead in NFL history and the biggest lead in Super Bowl history. And that's going to be the first thing that gets brought up when we talk about Matt Ryan. There's going to be some freak thing. Like he's going to be the, the, the 283rd player ever inducted in the NFL hall of fame or something like that. We're like, he'll get that far. Right. He'll get that far and it just won't matter. Right. And that's still going to be the defining characteristic. So it's unfortunate, but somebody has got to be the biggest choking QB. Somebody like, I saw Somebody has it's, to be by default. Right. It's tough, though, because, he, you know, as as much as Matt Ryan has scored, sort of middled here a, a little bit towards the end of his career, the 28-3 to game was a Kyle Shanahan thing. And Kyle Shanahan's redeemed himself a little bit anyway. You know, he's, he's a good coach. You've sort of turned the – turn uh, the. Yeah, I hate uh, – he's starting to grow on me, and I hate yeah. that. Yeah, but so the reason that Matt Ryan lost that Super Bowl was because uh, Kyle Shanahan refused to run the football up 25 points in the second half. And then Matt Ryan builds a 33-point lead, but then turns to the sideline and has Jeff Saturday in a headset and Parks Frazier calling plays for him, where I don't even know how they managed to do that because they, I mean, they ran the ball a little bit with Deion Jackson, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor ends up leaving the game. But again, it's like, is it on Matt Ryan a little bit? Sure, because you got to be able to rally the troops if you're that kind of a quarterback and put some points on the board. But, I mean, the the coaching staffs around him in both of those comebacks is is piss poor. Yeah, I, that's, that's so, fair. Yeah, so again, uh, that's that. Last thing, let's do Monday Night Football tonight. Um, I need to pull up ESPN for the spread because the Packers, excuse me, the Rams are at the Packers. Baker Mayfield's Los Angeles Rams now. He had a long week to get in there in the lab with Van Jefferson and those guys after the miraculous Thursday Night Football game a few weeks ago going to Aaron Rodgers Packers. The Packers are seven and a half point favorites despite being five and eight. Rams four and nine have a little juice with Baker at Lambeau. I like Baker because I just like Baker anyway. So I like the seven and a half points, but you know, what, what do you think of this game? I'm a little back and forth on this. On one hand, I think it's a letdown spot for the Rams, right? You have that great moment. And I think that there was some unfamiliarity that helped now totally run it. And it's like, you know, I, I think there was just that whole thing was momentum driven a couple of weeks ago, adrenaline driven, all that. Right. At the same time, Aaron Rodgers is very clearly checked out. Like, I just think he's done. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll go Packers at Lambeau. I'll go with the home team. I'll default to the home team. All right. Barth gets the home team. Packers minus seven and a half. I'll take Baker one more time. Oh, wait. It was Packers this. minus seven and a half. I'll take, you know what? I'll take the Rams to cover. I'll take the Packers to win, but I'll take the Rams. I think it's a close game, ultimately. But All right. I think Packers pull it out. All right. Sounds good. So, we're on the same side for the spread, but uh, I got, you know Rams to win. Rams money line. Let's let's see what happens. Let's see what they can get cooking. Um, me and Alex will be back on Patriots beat later on this week to preview the Patriots Christmas Eve matchup against the Bengals. Um, again, Patriots lose thirty to twenty four in dramatic fashion against the Raiders. Josh McDaniels. We didn't even we didn't even touch on Josh McDaniels this entire. I don't think we touched. I don't think we said his name once in this podcast because there were so many more storylines surrounding this. Awful, awful game that we didn't even get to touch on, Josh. But again, Patriots lose to Josh McDaniels Raiders, thirty to twenty-four. 
slowly but surely continue to fall out of the playoff spot. Um, me and Alex will be back on again on Thursday to preview Patriots first Bengals coming up Saturday on Christmas Eve. Uh, until then, follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Read his stuff over at 985thesportshub.com. He's doing a lot of uh, radio work over there as well lately, doing some fill-in over the holidays, so make sure you check that out. Tune yep. your radio dials to it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Cadlick. Read my stuff at CLNS Media. I put out some plenty of post-game coverage uh, there today, so go on and check that out. 